welcome. It's amazing to be able to be with you guys like this today. Um, welcome to the Kingdom of God series. I know Joel has been doing such an incredible job um, over the last few weeks um, explaining the Kingdom of God and, and our part in it. And it's been so complex. It's been so good, right? So good that I, I said to Joel, um, excuse me, I don't know how I'm going to join in on that series because that's really been like your series and you've taught amazingly and I can't do what you do. And he said, well, I'm not asking you to do what you do. I'm asking you to do, um, he said, I'm not asking you to do what I do. I'm asking you to do what you do. You just bring what you bring and I bring what I bring. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that. Um, and so, you know, we've been learning about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is really the realm of God's effective will, where what God wants to happen actually happens. And it's just been so fun over the last few weeks noticing just how much we all want to be kings and queens of our own kingdoms. I notice my, my 14-year-old is really about advancing his kingdom at the moment and really just wanting my will to line with his and Joel's will to line with his and everybody else's. He's really trying to advance his kingdom at the moment. Um, it didn't take long to work out that my dog, Pablo, he is not in my kingdom. He is definitely not in my kingdom. His will does not line up with my will. When we go for walks on the beach now, at first he used to just leave with absolutely any family he felt like, and we would have to try and chase him to other people's cars where he's trying to hop in. He'd just leave with people. And, um, and so we, he started getting better trained and would take treats to the beach. And he was getting so good that Joel and I were like, let's just do this walk without the treats. Like, I think we've nailed it. And uh, in the end, he was following this lady and her dog for so long, and he wouldn't come back that she said, why didn't I just walk your direction? And we're like, thank you very much. And we realized that, you know, if he does what he's told for treats, that's not really him being part of our kingdom, is it? It's not really a change of heart. He's just doing it for the rewards. And I hate to liken us to um, Pablo, but I think we can totally be like that. That with the appropriate rewards, God, uh, my will will line up with your kingdom. But that doesn't show that true repentant heart that Joel talked about last week, I think it was. And that our repentant heart, he says that we can, the kingdom of God can come to us and we can just as we are, but we can't come as we like. We need that true repentant heart. And today we're looking at the passage of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And we're going to specifically uh, talk about how to live this passage out in our workplace and in our homes. Okay, so I'll read it and then we'll pray. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if, a salt has not, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, as we explore your word today, 
May your praise be on our lips and on our heart. By your Spirit, God, would you give us an understanding to be able to receive and apply this word, this teaching. And may the fruit of this understanding reap the kind of harvest in our lives that blesses so many and us for your glory. Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes, you can write, Jesus worked. Jesus worked. You know, the little boys of Israel, they didn't get to grow up choosing what kind of profession they would have. There wasn't the question, what do you want to do when you grow up? They knew that it was expected that they would be raised and trained in the trade of their father. And so I was thinking about this and I was thinking, why wasn't Jesus born into like a priestly family? Like Samuel was raised in a priestly way. Um, John the Baptist was raised in a priestly family. If he was raised in a priestly home, he would have had access to the temple every day. He would have grown up devoted to prayer and to knowing the scripture, but he wasn't born in a priestly family. And he wasn't raised to be a Pharisee like the Apostle Paul, raised by the devoted to knowing and to applying the scripture of the Old Testament. No, Jesus was intentionally, intentionally assigned to an ordinary couple in an ordinary trade, which is quite an amazing thought. And the people of Israel had no concept that the Messiah would be born into an ordinary home and raised in an ordinary trade. Jesus worked. He was not raised as a religious apprentice, but as a builder's apprentice. He was a stonemason, the lower middle class. He worked for approximately 20 to 25 years. They started them really young. And he, at some point, Joseph passed away, and so he was given the role as the eldest son. He was the one that would provide for the family. He would make sure the bills were paid. He knew the responsibilities of family pressure. He was like the father of his household. He knew what it was to work in good weather and to work in bad weather. He knew how to manage great clients and how to manage difficult clients. Some paid on time, some paid late, some probably didn't pay at all. He knew how to, he would quote projects, he would, he would secure materials, he would work to deadlines, and all of this secular work he did within the realm of the kingdom of God. See, he didn't save and then say, I'm stepping now into the kingdom of God when his vocation was ministry, a holy work. But he lived his work within the kingdom of God as a stonemason, as the head of his household in the ordinary life, in his ordinary home, with his ordinary family, in his ordinary trade. He lived within the realm of the kingdom of God. His workplace, the rule of his workplace, the rule of his family sat within the greater rule of the kingdom of God. And at some point, he finished working. And and I don't know if you guys think like me, but I imagine what would that have been like for Jesus on his last day to hang up his apron 
and to put his tools away. This is what he had grown up doing day in and day out. I wonder if he had transitioned the the business and the running of the household over to his brothers, knowing that he would be stepping into ministry. I wonder, did his family understand? I bet his community didn't understand. They would have thought that he was abandoning his family. And so there he is, he'd hung up his apron, he had put his tools away, and he goes out and he calls his first disciples. And they were ordinary men, fishermen, tax collectors. And then he started gaining followers. And there were beautiful women that came along and they provided for his ministry. They were women of means because he no longer worked, he no longer earned an income. I just think this is all fascinating when you really start to think about what this actually would have looked like. And so he's done a few miracles. He's got some followers now. And so he finds himself on the, t- on the uh, mountains next to Capernaum, um, giving his sermon on the mount. And when I was there, what struck me is how beautiful it was. Like often in Israel, it's not actually that beautiful of a scenery. It's very brown, very beige. But where he was, it was like green hills overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It was beautiful. And he's there preaching the kingdom of God to very ordinary people. So when he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, we've got to remember who he was speaking to. He wasn't speaking to people in authority. He wasn't speaking to the religious elite. He wasn't speaking to those that were rich. He wasn't speaking to those that were blessed in human in the world's terms. He was speaking to those who we would deem unblessed. And he's speaking to these ordinary people whose lives probably weren't worth writing about. And he said to them, let your light shine before others so that they might see the good, your good works and bring glory to your Father. So he's saying you in your ordinary job, you in your ordinary day, in your ordinary family, shine your light so that others might see your good works and give glory to heaven in your homes, in your work, in your errands, in your sport. Be like salt in the meal and like light in the darkness. He wasn't talking, he wasn't telling people with ordinary jobs to quit them and do something great and then you'll shine. He wasn't saying become a missionary and he might be saying that to you. He's not saying become a pastor. He's not saying quit that boring job that you do and do something really awesome and then you will be like a light that shines before people. He's saying in your ordinary work, you have got this light. You know, perhaps in the kingdom of this world, that work that you do has little meaning. But in the kingdom of God, it has much meaning. The work that you do in the kingdom of God, it has much meaning because it is an opportunity for the kingdom of God to go through you. So I don't know if you are satisfied with your work. I don't know if you have meaning and purpose in your work, but I know that you can. You know, we can often think that when it comes to making an impact in the world, and I know that this is the thinking of my generation, that it's the work that needs to change. 
that it's the job that needs to change. But in the kingdom of God, it's not the job that needs to change. It's us within it. See, this is an advancing kingdom that we are part of. It has been advancing from the day it was birthed. That's why Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. It is an advancing kingdom. That's why we are here in New Zealand in a church full of people. This kingdom has been advancing. And it hasn't been just advancing by preachers and by missionaries and by people who are really out there, but by ordinary people who carry the kingdom of God within them into their every day into their workplaces, into their friendships, and into their homes. You know, this is what being salt and light is. This is the salt and the light that Jesus spoke of, that in our every day we would carry the advancing kingdom of God, that we would carry ourselves in a way that pointed people to Jesus, and that we would carry ourselves in a way that over time, it wouldn't go unnoticed, that they would begin to think there's something just a little bit different about you, and that it would point us to Jesus. You know, the people that live and work among you, I just... You know, for us being the salt in this light, it's that they should, they should recognize that it's like we live to a different rule. It's like in our workplace, we live within the rules of our workplace, but it's like we're operating to another set of rules. So it's like they look at you and go, wow, they get their job done on time, they get their work completed on time, but they don't use that as an excuse, use that stress as an excuse to treat people badly. You know, they get their work done on time, they show up when they say they're going to show up, they don't cut corners, their yes is their yes, their, their no is their no, they can be trusted, they aren't, you know, mean to the workplace bully, they don't talk behind people's backs, they don't throw their colleagues under the bus, it's like they live to another set of rules. And this is what it should be like when we bring the kingdom of God into our work. You know, into our nursing, into our classrooms, into whatever you do for a work, whether you're in hospitality or in retail, that what they see is that you operate, there's like a bigger set of rules that you live to. See, the, the, our workplace and the rule of our workplace and the rule of our family should sit within the rule of the kingdom of God, the greater rule. Does that make sense? And, and when I'm talking about work, I'm talking about unpaid work as well, raising your family. Gosh, that's unpaid, but that's a lot of work. And, you know, maybe for you, you're sick and actually your work at the moment is just recovering. It's just getting better. That's a lot of work. And so you don't have to have paid employment for this message to be applicable to you. We all have work that we do. And that work sits within the greater realm of the kingdom, the salty shiny way of living. There's purpose in it. There's purpose in it. You know, the mission of the kingdom isn't given out to certain kinds of work, but to all kinds of work. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not look at me and look at the great deeds that I do. This is not what he's saying. 
That is not the spirit of it. It's not look at me and all the awesome things that I do. It's as you get close to my life and as we do time together, you will begin to get a glimpse of another place, of another kingdom. It's like dual citizenship. It's I might be living here, but the culture that I bring is from another place. I, um, my Oma and my grandpa, they moved to New Zealand after the war in 1951, and they went from um, Amsterdam's upper class to Pilot Bay in the 1950s. There was a war in between. I was going to say soft transition, but I don't believe the war was a soft transition. And so they found themselves in Pilot Bay, Mount Monganui, which is not the same as it was in the 50s. <laughs> Just go have a look at some pictures. So massive culture shock. And, you know, by the time I knew my Oma and Grandpa, they had lived in New Zealand for quite a while. And, but even then, I was still aware that something was different about them. I was still aware that the culture that they brought was from another place. Their food was saltier, ironically, for the conversation that we're having. They're Dutch. You know, I had mum and dad over for dinner on Friday and I had made this flourless dark chocolate cake and I was cracking salt on it. Mum says, what are you doing salting your cake? And my dad said, Janelle, we should salt everything. And I'm like, I know, because we've got the Dutch blood. Salty food. Salty food. You know, the way they related with each other was a little different. The way they laughed and, and said way and celebrated was a little different. It, it, it echoed of another place. And this is how we are supposed to live within our everyday lives, in our workplace and in our homes and in our friendships and in our errands, in our everyday, that it's like you're here, but the culture that you bring is from another place. You echo of another place. That's how we are meant to be experienced in our world as salt and light. The way that we speak, the way that we work, the way that we celebrate, the way that we serve, the way that we show up on time, the way that we value everybody, the way that we are generous, the way that we love, that it echoes of another place. That we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And you know, Jesus, he models this dual citizenship of the kingdom of God so amazingly. And I love this one particular example when the Pharisees, they're trying to trap Jesus and they're trying to like ask him if they should pay their taxes. And they're probably thinking he talks about this other kingdom that he's part of so much. So he probably doesn't believe in paying taxes, you know, to Caesar. And so in Mark chapter 12, verse 14, they're trying to trap him. And, it's, and they said, teacher, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? And Jesus saw through right through their hypocrisy and he said, why are you trying to trap me? I love straight up Jesus. He's so great, eh? Why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. And when they handed it to him, he said, whose picture and title is stamped on it? And they said, Caesar's. He said, well then, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. It says his reply completely amazed them. 
the rule of our nation, the rule of our workplaces, the rule of our families should all sit within the greater rule of the kingdom of God. Our life can be an echo of that kingdom. Our life should speak of another place. And we carry that light into our everyday. And, you know, we can't assume that we have that light because we believe in Jesus and we attend church. That's not what he is saying. He's saying we're a light to others when our nature reflects the nature of Jesus. See, if you attend church but behave no differently to everybody else in your workplace, then you are not being a light. And Jesus is saying you might as well take a basket and put it over that lamp. You don't do that because it doesn't bring light to the house. But in the same way, you're supposed to shine before people. You are supposed to reveal the nature of Jesus. And we only reveal the nature of Jesus when we don't just believe in Him, but actually apply His teaching and follow His ways. You know, my prayer is that we would not live in a Christian bubble. I mean, what's the point of that? What's the point of having a light in an already lit room or chucking salt on a pile of salt? You know, when we clock in and we clock out of our work and we live no different to those in our workplaces, we're like that basket hiding that light. And Jesus is saying, what good is it? What good is it? but live in a way that echoes of another place. Live in a way that reveals my nature. You know, the primary function of light is not to be seen, but so that you can see what is hidden and what is already there. So when Jesus came to be the light of the world, he wasn't like, look at me, I'm light. Just like we don't turn on a light and go, well, there it is. We turn on a light so we can see what is already there. And see, God, He was actually hidden and at a distance to people. And so when Jesus came as the light of the world, it wasn't so He could be super shiny. It was so that He could reveal the nature and the character of God that was there all along, but so misunderstood. And He models that for us. He said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But from now on, you know him and you've seen him. Because he lived in such a way that he's saying, if you know me, if you see my nature, if you see what I care about, if you see the way that I speak and the way that I treat everybody with value, you have seen God. And that is our commission as we take off this basket. It's to reveal the nature of Jesus. The Apostle Paul did this. I love this example. And he's in Athens and they don't know Jesus. They don't know God. And in Acts 17, chapter 22, he said, Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking among you, I saw many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one that I'm telling you about. And then in a paragraph, he goes on to describe the glory and the nature of God that was unseen. You know, there are people in your life that don't see God. He's hidden to them. 
He's hidden to them. And what good is it if we're in their life, but we don't reveal this God that is unseen? You know, I was um, meeting up with a friend a few years ago and we grew up together and she didn't have a faith, but she knew I did. And it was kind of accepted that that was just how it was. She wasn't really, she didn't never really accepted any invitations to come along and be part of it. And so this was just how our friendship was. And she was at the time where she was pregnant and about to finish work and it's her first baby and um, they weren't married. And so she was feeling that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm about to finish up work and I'm no longer going to have any money. It's going to be his money. We're not married. And what am I going to do like without money? And she was feeling so stressed about it. So she was walking on the beach and then like up washed a $20 note at her feet. And as she was telling me about it, I just said to her, hey, I really think that that's God. Like to me, like I know him and and that's kind of how he works. Like I find he, he does stuff like that. And she said, I wondered that too. And that's what we should be doing. It's bringing a light, revealing what is already there, revealing God's nature and the nature of Jesus. There are people in your life and they can't see what they can't see. They're living in spiritual darkness. Perhaps they've never heard the message of Jesus before or perhaps not in a way that was understandable for them or perhaps not from somebody that they trusted. But I wanted to tell you that as we live following Jesus, actually following Him, actually living out His principles that we're going to continue to talk about in the next coming weeks, we become this echo of another place. And as they get close to us and see that there's something different, I tell you, they're going to want to hear what you have to say. They're going to want to hear what you have to say. And so I just believe this morning that Jesus is saying to us, Let's take these baskets off and let's recognize what you have. My light. And would you recognize the purpose of it? This is an advancing kingdom that you were part of. This is not a stagnant kingdom. Everybody who is a part of it right now is not the end goal. There are many sons and daughters who are not a part of this kingdom who I adore and I wanna see them there. This is an advancing kingdom. And when we lose sight of it, we lose our saltiness and we hide our light. And that's not what we're gonna do.